Welcome to The Sound of the Hound, a podcast about the early days of recorded sound. My name's James Hall. And I'm Dave Holly. And in this series, we look at the technology, the characters and the stories behind the invention of recorded music over 120 years ago. We trace the pioneers. The dreamers. The adventurers. Who risked life and limb in their quest to bring music to the masses. And who embarked on extraordinary feats of daring do in their mission to capture sound. These people ultimately changed the way that we listen and, incidentally, spawned a multi-billion pound industry in the process. Uh, Let's explain a bit about who we are. I'm James Hall. I'm a music journalist and author. And I'm Dave Holly, and I'm a long-time music industry exec. Uh, I used to run Abbey Road Studios, and I'm now a trustee of the EMI Archive Trust. I wouldn't consider either as particularly gramophone geeks or phonograph fanatics, no. But, but what we are is obsessed with this extraordinary period of time. Uh, our episodes will feature a range of characters, but one character you'll hear about again and again is a man called Fred Geisberg, who was effectively employee number one in the UK recording industry and opened Britain's first recording studio in Covent Garden in 1898. Yeah, he really was the maestro. Yeah, he was the Steve Jobs of Victorian London. The Simon Cowell with a handlebar moustache. <laughs> So why is this podcast called The Sound of the Hound? Because we're doing it with the help of the EMI Archive Trust, which is a vast uh, music and technology archive based in Hayes. The EMI Trust celebrates the history of recorded sound and the work of the famous EMI group of companies, which include the Foundation Company, the Gramophone Company, and also HMV, his master's voice. Which is why we've named the podcast The Sound of the Hound after Nipper, the dog in the famous HMV logo. This is The Sound of the Hound. Hello, welcome to The Sound of the Hound. And this episode, we're going to talk about one of the early recording heroes, or actually heroines. Heroines, yes. Um, So just to remind you who we are, it's... My name's James Hall, good morning, or afternoon. Or whatever time it is, whenever you're listening to this. And I'm Dave Holly. So um, the person that we we, we want to talk about is... um, is, is a woman called Syria Lamont. Uh, Syria, which is, is like the country, and Lamont, like the Norway. former ex- <laughs> Chancellor of the Exchequer, except with an E on the end. So it's L-A-M-O-N-T-E. And the reason we're interested in her is Fred Geisberg remembered her in his memoirs, which he wrote in the 40s, I think. Um, he, he remembered her as the first person that he recorded. In fact, th- th- there's a very good interview that he did with a BBC guy called Brian Rust back at the end of the 40s where he recalls this. I'll, I'll just read a, a, a section out. So this is Brian interviewing interviewing a quite an old, I think I think Fred's in his 70s at this point. He was. And I think you, you have to take into account he's that old and that far away from when, when Sylvie was recording 50 or 60 years previously. So Fred smiled. I remembered Cyria Lamont, he said. She was an entertainer. I suppose she must have served drinks in Rules, the pub next door to the first recording studio in Maiden Lane. She was the first artist I recorded, I'm sure of that. I reminded him that he had arrived in London on July the 9th, 1898, and the date on the disc was only four weeks later. He smiled. Yes, we really hustled to get things started, he said. I didn't know it was August the 2nd when we made the first one, but I remember Cyril Lamont. She had a big voice, and that was what we wanted. I suggested, and this is a bit uncruel, I suggested that she had a big voice from having to make it heard upon above the noise of the public bar. It's, it's, this is fascinating. So, so the myth here is that, effectively, Geisberg turns up, goes to rules in 1898, 
sees a barmaid, takes her next door and records her. As if he just stumbled across her. And creates a, and, a, and, a, 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 a recording star. Creates a recording star. Because she was, whether his story is right or wrong, she was, we think, the first woman outside of America ever to make a commercial recording. Yep. Which is pretty stunning, isn't it? Yep. Certainly. I'm, 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 having, having nodded to you before, before when we were talking about this, I've just suddenly thought, I wonder if any were done on phonographs before, because we're, we're talking about recording onto Onto discs. gramophones, yes. So, so there might be... A, her niche is getting <laughs> niche is more, more defined. <laughs> the first woman be. outside the US to record a gramophone. Yes. Yes. I think almost Set certainly, to piano, yes. yes. So you can tell from the, the, what's written on the, the master disc that it was recorded yeah, three or four weeks after Fred had arrived in London. So his studio, it took him a couple of weeks to set up. Yeah. I think it's been proved that she wasn't the first person to record, even though Fred's re- remembering this. I think it was a, a, something called the Trocadero Orchestra, um, which had three guys with kind of Italian-sounding yes. names. But this is, this is, I think, the first woman. We found no earlier women. No earlier women, by yes. Fred. Yeah. But we've done some digging around Syria, haven't we? And it's not quite as simple as Fred recalled, it seems, was it? No, um, she had done a bit of singing She'd before. She'd done a little bit of singing I, It might be worth explaining where she came from. Do you yes, well, she, she, uh, she was, uh, her name was actually the slightly more prosaic Sarah Cohen. She was born in Sydney, Australia, and she arrived in London in 1896. That, that much we do know, yeah. so two years before this recording. But it turns out she was something of a, of a name already, even in Australia, wasn't she? And there's a great piece that was written by... The, in the, is it the, the Bathurst Free Press and Mining Journal is the clip I've got. Yeah. Is that the one you were... I, well, there's also a guy, um, I believe his name's Roger Neal, who, who's written a, uh, an essay about her online. And he says that from the 1890s in Australia, she was performing and guesting with, with English opera groups that came over. That travelled over there. And th- that travelled around Australia oh. within. And she performed at the um, Melbourne Opera House and she performed all the major cities and towns. And then she travelled in 1896 across via Berlin. So she, we know she performed in Berlin. This is the clip I was just talking about, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is a bit odd. So this is a clip, we've obviously both found, that, that's in a, looks to be in an Australian newspaper, but written from an English point of view because yeah. the clip says and this is July 96 Miss Cyril Lamont who has lately arrived from Australia uh, has received a theatrical engagement in Berlin she's also been offered a three years engagement at the Tivoli and Oxford Music Halls in London yeah uh, I did a bit of digging into those so Tiv- the Tivoli is is on the Strand and the Oxford Music Hall is on the corner of was on the corner it's no, no longer there actually I know what it, it, it now is um, the corner of Oxford, Sir, Oxford Street and Tottenham Court Road. Okay. So if you come out of Tottenham Court Road Station, take a left into Oxford Street, you see a massive Primark. That was where the Oxford oh, Music Hall was. So it was a music hall where people in the 1890s, they were huge. You know, there yeah. was no television. People went out for a night out and, um, and saw comedians and singers and everyone had a turn. And it's now a Primark. And now it's a Primark. How the mighty have well, fallen. Well, that's the, mo- <laughs> <laughs> the modern equivalent, the modern entertainment. Retail. So she'd been in London so, so, some time. Yeah, right? so when he, Fred meets her, supposedly in rules as a barmaid, she's come over. She's also come over to further her music studies. So I, I'm assuming that means she's taking lessons somewhere as well. She's got a contract to perform at a couple of music hall venues regularly. And then I, I know, uh, or according to Roger Neal's piece, 
she then goes and records, uh, plays, not records, sorry, she goes and plays and performs in one or two European countries and comes back to the UK. So it might be that she's resting. She's resting and obviously needing some money, so working in rules. Yeah. If indeed she did work at rules. It's the way guys, he slightly dismissively says, I suppose she must have served drinks. Why? Because she was female? Because she was there? I, you know. Yeah. The, 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 there's a, those memoirs that he wrote right at the end of his life, I think, are, are not reliable. They, they've, they've, proven, they've been proven yes. not to be reliable. And I, I, it, it doesn't feel right that somebody that much of a singer was, uh, w- was, was working in a bar. I but, wonder if but, rules have a, have a, have a ledger with, uh, with, with, with an archive of everyone who ever worked there. See, that, God, that would that's be interesting. That's a bit of research, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> um, worth looking at. Also, yeah. he called rules a pub. It's not. No, it's a it's very, a very fancy expensive restaurant, restaurant yeah. isn't it? it? Again, it's it it's it looks like an eighteen nineties restaurant still. If you if you go down Maiden Lane, yeah. which is near, which is in Covent Garden, and you look at it, it's it's like you know brass lamps and and very gaudy bright red carpets. It's it's such a rich it's environment, and it looks wonderful. It doesn't, doesn't look it? like a pub. It doesn't look no. like a pub. Great cocktails, mind. Oh, apparently in the upstairs room. If you uh, yeah. maybe we should go, we should do an episode from there. We should probably should actually. <laughs> now <laughs> I've got a picture of Siri Lamont. Yeah. Should we should we describe her? Yes. So I mean, she she's quite fearsome looking. She has uh, slightly looks slightly like a maybe a little bit of an overbite. An overbite. She's got quite a strong jaw, chin, a strong maybe. face. She looks strong in general. Yeah. Big. Uh, dark hair kind of piled up in a bun with huge plumes of feathers. Yeah. Uh, you know, cascading. Well, that, that very sort of uh, late Victorian. Absolutely. Feathers and lace. And feathers and lace. And a huge brooch choker around her neck. Someone said of her, as Geisberg did actually, this is a man called Lewis Barth who wrote a book called Where Have All the Good Times Gone about the early recording industry. He said, quite possibly as, as a result of having called last orders a great many times... Lamont had a voice robust enough to impress itself on the zinc disc, which, of course, you needed you needed to belt these songs out, didn't you, to make an impression on the on the yeah, recording he, on the recording master. That was that was one of the prerequisites when when he was looking. Geisberg was looking for people to record was a strong voice, a strong voice. Yeah. So the, the the diaphragm that it recorded onto yeah. via wasn't that sensitive. Yeah. So you needed to really belt really. it in. Which is why I was surprised when when we when I heard her sing. Her voice is very high and sort of yeah. trilly. I expect it to be slightly deeper and, 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 and gruffer. So she did, apparently she recorded 21 sides for the gramophone company. Because yep. obviously you didn't have A sides and B sides back then. Between August and October 1898. So that's quite a sort of concerted spell of recording, isn't it? Well, I guess he probably didn't have an awful lot of people to record. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was probably giving different pieces of material to her to, to, to create volume of content. Yeah. Uh, songs included. She did a song from the Gondoliers from Gilbert and Sullivan called When a Merry Maiden Marries and a song called The Bell of New York uh, called They Always Follow Me, which apparently was the first one she did for Geisberg. That's right. In fact, if you if you look on the old interweb, the National <coughs> Film and Sound Archive of Australia have got a, a you can listen to this, they've got a, a copy of the record which they've put up on there, which was donated by Roger Neal, the expert who I who I was referencing earlier oh, on. There you go. So he bought this in in um at auction and then donated it to, to the NFSA and then he's he's written an essay about her which is very interesting. Yeah apparently 
It came from a musical comedy. Was it a, was it a musical? Uh, uh, the Belle of New York. It sounds That's like one right. of those, doesn't it? Sort of fish yeah. out of water. Uh, yeah. It tells the story of a young Salvation Army woman who is always attracting men's attention when trying to get them to repent their sins and That's find God. God. That's guys and dolls, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sounds familiar. This myth that this I I was working as a waitress working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Did, do you think there was an element of myth creation here? You know, I mean, we, we, you said earlier that Geisberg had a notoriously bad memory, but do you think you know? Let's let's tell people she was a waitress in rules, and that would somehow make her singing, make her success, more of a story, or or, or is that a very modern concept to project on something that happened 120 years ago? I I, I think people. In those days, Barnum was it? P.J. Barnum was yes. it was Barnum and Bailey world yes. back then as well. You know, um, PR and hype and blurb. Yeah. I think that yeah. I think they were prevalent then as as much as today. Yeah. I've also found a picture on on the internet. If you which I put on, um, if you go to the soundofthehound.com and Google or search for Syria Lamont, there's a picture of her in costume, which looks like it's from the 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 um, turn of the century. And here it is. So, so it's Miss Cyril Lamont. It, it, it looks like um, like a like a sort of playing card that you used yes. to get with, with, with... I used to collect them with footballers on with from the <laughs> 1930s and 40s. But this, this, is, this is like an entertainer. With, it's like a card, so a little bit of bio beneath it. I mean, she's fully dressed up, isn't she, in sort of, in sort of men's breeches. Is that, is that the right... And, and, and a cape and... and Gloves and I mean, she's she's it's playing a part there. She's, she's definitely playing a part. Is that from the gondolas? Gondoliers, should I say? Could well be. Could well be. The only biography it says, formerly of Mr. Harry Richards Tivoli Company. Yeah, which is where so she that's the played, Primark. Now appearing on the English musicals with great success. With great success. But there is nothing there that sort of suggests a rags to riches story. No. Um, but how rare in those days to move from Australia to Europe? Yeah. Um, for any kind of career, surely. Yeah. I mean, it, how long did it take to get here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thousands and thousands of miles, weeks. Did she have an agent? I mean, you know, she must have been a go-getter. So should we talk a bit, and this is all speculation, but talk a bit about the atmosphere in the studio back in those days. Because there, there are a few accounts that kind of suggest a sort of slightly raucous, beer fueled uh, environment, aren't there? I've, I've got two quite These are both from Fred, possibly unreliable memory from his recollections, his memoirs. The first is 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 just a description of the studio itself. So this is in this is in um, Maiden Lane. In in he describes the overriding word that describes it is grimy. He goes, yes, grimy was the word for it. The smoking room of the old Coburn Hotel was our improvised studio. There stood the recording machine on a high stand. From this projected a long, thin trumpet into which the artist sang. Close by on a high, movable platform was an um, upright piano. So that's that's the, the tools that they're working that's the with. Tools. 
the, the recording device and a piano and That's a horn it. to sing into. But this is this is great because he, he's it seems like quite a merry old place. You've got rules next door where they definitely went in and, and bought drinks for musicians to bring them back. But it looks like they also shipped the beer into the studio. So again, he says um, stout. So Guinness is yeah. a stout, isn't it? Stout was the great standby of our artists in those days. It amazed me to see the number of empties that accumulated at the end of a session. Harry Fay's capacity was six bottles, but Ernest Pike and some of the ladies ran him a close second. That's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you, I suppose you would have had to been a bit pissed to stand in front of a weird thing and, and belt out a song into it. Um, or, or, you know, or at least be convinced to leave rules to go and do that. I mean... And it must have been first because... Cause yeah, I, I think I believe they had several goes at it. Yeah, um, a dusty, I mean, grimy water did exist then. Let's 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 just. I know, but you couldn't trust the water. <laughs> you, 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 but it's safer to have something that was safer to have some, but, but yeah, yeah, so rules was like the green room. It just sounds like an almighty party, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And let's not forget, in those days, actresses and and and, and prostitutes were were often interchangeable. Let's say singing as Where a woman. Where are you going with this? I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> sing, singing as a woman. It wasn't it wasn't a a a profession that was looked on particularly fondly by the establishment let's say and there's a let's say there's a big gray area between the two yeah an entertainer an um, entertainer yes so singer actress lady of the night yes yes and uh, i mean i guess you were working you were working in in you know um drink fueled uh places with, with uh, you were quite exposed yes um clearly you went back afterwards to people's houses to record songs drank with them you know it's it's a sort of loose you know those victorian times it's quite a loose it certainly was and i I hate to cast dispersions on female singers of the time and clearly not all of them were but there was a there was a tunnel from the from the dressing rooms of the lyceum theater just off the strand there's a little tunnel that went under the road behind the theater and ended up in a in a bordello over this over the road where many of the actresses they literally came off stage, got changed or didn't get changed. People paid to spend time with, them in with an actress in costume, and went under the tunnel and to the uh, to, yeah to the uh, to the madame's house over the road. It was an extra, it was an extraordinary time. Wow, and uh, I mean you, you got to we, we started talking about it before, but you got to take your hat off to Syria or Sarah, her, her, her mm. childhood name. Who I'm not saying was a prostitute. Let, absolutely not. Absolutely For any descendants of, of uh, <laughs> or, or lawyers that represent her in any way, shape, or form, we're not <laughs> assuming that. But you know, she must have been a tough old stick to, to, to have a uh, left home and travelled round Australia singing, and then left Australia and travelled through Europe and and to the UK, come to a new city, and yeah. London. London was the biggest city ever yeah. in in the late 1890s. and 1890s. It was a hotbed of peak. Uh, yes. And a very male world she entered, yeah. really. And and being on her own, and and yeah, what a, what a toughie. I mean, maybe she did. You know, I'm h- half and of a mind whether she did or did not actually work at rules. Um, but it sort I of suspect fits in she was. Yes, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. sometimes you do have to, you know, tough it out and 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 but take she, jobs so, you but don't want to do. Let's just. She was the first woman to ever make a recording outside the US. So she kicked the door open for well everyone. Yeah. Incredible, wasn't that? And she had to get here. And she had to get the here. Massive journey to get here, yeah. to get into the right place at the right time to do that. Yeah. She, I believe she she met him at Rules. I suspect that's yes. completely reliable. Yes. And ventured next door and created, was it 21? 21, 21 recordings. Yes, yeah. 21. Yeah. And I think his, his his use of language, I suppose she was a bar. She was a, a bar woman. She wasn't, was she? I don't think so. <laughs> I think she was in there maybe after a show. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe with friends who'd just been in a show. Yeah. 
Maybe she'd, well, we can't say she'd cross the road underneath the strand because that would be <laughs> not very kind to her. But no, she's she's clearly, yeah, just in there, I think. Yeah. What a woman. What a woman. We like her. Syria Lamont. Syria Lamont slash Sarah Cohen. This is the sound of the hound. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Sound of the Hound. If you'd like to see the show notes, which contain links to some of the things we've been talking about in this episode, please go to thesoundofthehound.com. Select podcasts when you're there, and you'll find a page of notes for this episode. Sound of the Hound is a podcast from the EMI Archive Trust. Many of the recordings and artefacts we talk about in this series of podcasts are housed by the Trust. If you'd like to know more about the EMI Archive Trust, go to emiarchivetrust.org. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. That would be much appreciated. Thank you.